if you don't do, again, if you don't do the math, what will happen is it'll feel good. You'll, you'll go in, you'll start spending some ad dollars and sales will jump. And you're like, man, I'm selling more. This is great. But it's easy to, again, even just us internally, we've been doing Google AdWords ourselves for the last probably year and a half. And it's taken a lot of time to figure out, like, let's make sure that we're making, making gross profit <laughs> on this. You're listening to the B2B Growth Think Tank, the show that brings you the virtual hot seat where each week my expert guests and I help another business leader by masterminding actionable solutions to a specific challenge they're currently trying to solve in their business. So if you're looking for answers to a specific challenge that you're facing, that if you could solve in the next 90 days would have a huge impact on your growth, send it in to thinktank at thinklikeafish.co.uk and we'll see if we can feature you on the show. My name is Adam King, your host and the captain of the ship at growth consultancy Think Like a Fish. And if you're ready to rethink what's possible for your business and discover the growth strategies, advice and insight to turn this new vision into a reality, let's get started. Hey, Adam here, and thanks very much for tuning in. And as you are, I'm going to make the assumption that you are responsible for generating revenue for an established B2B professional service business, and you're looking to grow your revenue. So what I've got for you, you're going to absolutely love because I've recently released my new revenue multiplier calculator and bonus training where using this tool and following the training, you'll discover how to uncover the hidden revenue opportunities in your business and be able to systemize your growth using seven revenue multipliers that can double your business in 12 months or less. So if you want to go and grab your copy, go to thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash calculator. Now on to today's episode. Well, hello and welcome to the B2B Growth Think Tank. Now, joining me today to talk business growth is someone who has built a successful business, helping over 40,000 businesses to see how making small changes can have a dramatic impact on revenue, cash flow and profitability. Now, he does this as the co-founder of Projection Hub, where since launching the company in 2012 with his brother, so it's a bit of a family affair, they provide software, templates and consulting services to create financial projections for investors, lenders, and to help with internal planning of, of businesses. Now, as cash flow and profit always win the day when it comes to our businesses, it's vital to measure and track your numbers, finances, and KPIs. So that's not just to be able to accurately project your growth, but in doing so, what it also allows you to do is uncover some of those hidden opportunities that often with a small shift could give you a radical boost in your sales and profitability. So it's a subject I, I know that uh, a lot of you are going to get some huge, huge benefit from. So I am absolutely delighted to welcome my guest today, Adam Hoxima, to the show. Adam, how are you doing? Hey, doing really well. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, excited to have the conversation. Awesome. Well, um, I think, as I said, when we first spoke, it's not a name I'm going to forget, um, <laughs> or at least the first name I'm not going to mispronounce. So, um, yeah, I, I always find it almost a bit strange when I have to do the uh, uh, an interview. I've had another Adam on here before, for example, and I have to say Adam this and Adam, it's like I'm talking to myself. It's yeah. like I'm doing a solo episode. But anyway, so um, Adam, coming on to that, um, let's say uh, you were in front of um, uh, an ideal client. How do you describe what you do and how you help them? 
Yeah. So a lot of our clients tend to be brand new startups, uh, maybe in that planning phase. And so they're trying to raise capital from investors or lenders. And typically what happens is they haven't already worked on projections because no one wants to do projections. <laughs> At least most of us don't want to do them. And so, you know, the investor says, hey, uh, send me your projections. And they quickly panic <laughs> and, and say, how, how do I do that? And that's where we come in. So whether it's our, our software um, that can help you walk through that step-by-step step, or uh, one of our industry-specific Excel templates, um, we make that process a lot less painful for people. So, mm, so I guess one of the things that maybe people are thinking is, is thinking right, or they're hearing financial projections, and and maybe it's like a few eyes glaze over, and it's like, oh, well, what, what's that about? Or do I really need to do this? Or you know, oh, finance? Oh. Why is it so important to get this right? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll talk it from kind of two different sides. From the startup phase, um, you know, when you're starting a business, I mean, you're making a, a huge time commitment and probably putting in some of your own dollars or if you're signing your name on a loan, um, you know, you have personal risk. And so you want to make sure that you've actually done the math and figured out like, can this actually work? <laughs> and and what is it going to take? Not just, uh, you know, I think a lot of times, even just in simple businesses, or, you know, a coffee shop business, for example, and, uh, you know, client does the numbers and realizes I have to sell, you know, 500 cups of coffee every day to break even with the, with, with the model that I have in place. It's like, yeah, oh, well, I don't know if I could do that. Maybe, you know, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't start this business. So um, on the startup side, I think that's that's really a, an area of focus and, and why you need to do it. I've worked with a lot of existing businesses where they're starting new, thinking about starting new services or product lines. And really that's like a startup within their existing business. And so you're really looking at the same thing. Should we take away our focus from our core business? Should we take dollars from that and is it going to make sense? Um, I've sp even uh, internally, uh, you know, our, ourselves at Projection Hub, we've worked on projects where we're thinking, oh yeah, this will make sense. And then when we really run the numbers, it's like, boy, if we do this really well, it's going to hardly make a dent, <laughs> you know, and mm. it's not really going to matter. Um, and so that's what the projections help you figure out. Will it, will it actually matter? Yeah, and and I guess that the the beauty of of thinking in a a projection model or with a projection model mindset is that the numbers will never lie, and I think that we as business owners, entrepreneurs, whatever we want to call ourselves, we are quite good at lying to ourselves sometimes. But and and I think that maybe one of the reasons why you know, I reference the eyes glazing over or it's something that people don't always want to necessarily do until you know a bank forces you to do it for example if it's a loan required or an investor or something like that we don't want to do it because maybe it's kind of like going to tell us that our baby's ugly or maybe it's going to sort of show us that our grand vision is not going to come to fruition as quickly as, as maybe we'd have thought. I mean, what are some of the other common things that you've you've sort of found that people uncover 
in the process of doing this? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think, um, I think a lot of times it's that realizing uh, how slow of a process it's probably going to be. Um, you know, we, when you're doing projections, a lot of times what people will do is they'll just, they'll do some Googling and they'll say, what is the average, you know, dental office uh, do in revenue per year? And then they just kind of assume that they're magically going to get to that average, you know, right away or, or you know, year one is, is an average year. Um, but in reality, you have to go acquire those customers. You got to acquire those patients and that can be a long, slow build. And, you know, you may have operating expenses that you have to pay before you break even for quite a while. And so I think that's, that's one of the things that people often see that it could be a little bit discouraging, but it's also really important to know <laughs> going in so that you don't, uh, you know, you don't run out of cash too soon well yeah because i mean cash flow is the number or lack of cash flow is the number one killer of of the majority of businesses it's um it's not something we all necessarily think about when we start because i guess the thing that makes us all start is the 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 vision the passion and all the rest of it and getting into the nitty-gritty when it comes to things like cash flow it doesn't always come to mind but then reality bites right and do you find that there is a particular time when people start to look at projections seriously is it i mean you mentioned startup you mentioned existing um uh, existing businesses are there common times when people really use these not maybe not necessarily just for say investment but for other areas of their business internal planning and and uh, you know what are the benefits of, of doing that yeah i one area that we've seen people use it for a planning uh, just in an existing business is when they're um, when they're looking to maybe do a digital marketing campaign or really any kind of marketing campaign uh, because there's some costs associated with that and they they need to go through the math to figure out okay if I spend this much to acquire a new customer uh, when do I break even on that is it should I keep paying Google for, for these ads or Facebook for these Facebook ads. Um, and, and when does it make sense? And when am I just, mm -hmm. am I losing money or breaking even? Cause you'll, if you don't do, again, if you don't do the math, what will happen is it'll feel good. You'll, you'll go in, you'll start spending some ad dollars and sales will jump and you're like, man, I'm selling more. This is great. But it's easy to, Again, even just us internally, we've been doing Google AdWords ourselves for the last probably year and a half. And, um, you know, it's taken a lot of time to figure out, like, let's make sure that we're making making gross profit <laughs> on mm. this. Um, so I think that's a but, good a good exercise. Yeah. And I, I think what you touch on there is is something that maybe we, we we all know intuitively but we don't always necessarily have a, a process for doing and that is it's it's measurement it's understanding your numbers it's kind of going right okay well what is my objective around say this project your your example of google ads it's like right well what is my objective how much am i willing to spend to acquire the, acquire this client or customer and am i going to am i achieving that and it could well be looking 
further ahead as well within your projections, for example. And it could well be looking at something like your lifetime value of a client and thinking, well, actually, I am willing to spend break even. I am willing to literally not make any money on my acquisition because I know on the back end I will make three to four additional sales over the course of the next six months to 12 months or something like that. That's strategy. That is that is that is a strategic use of the numbers and applying them to something like Google AdWords. But I don't think it's always the way that it is applied. I think that it's a bit too easy sometimes to go, well, I just want to go and do some Google AdWords and I want some clients. And people spend too much time focusing on the wrong numbers like cost per lead. It's like, well, actually, it doesn't matter how much your cost per lead is. It matters what your acquisition cost is, you know, in comparison to your, um, you know, your client value. So do you find any other sort of mistakes that people make when it comes to projections, um, whether it for a, a campaign type experience like that or whether it's sort of projecting profits, revenues in general. Are there anything that people tend to do that they really would be better off avoiding? Yeah, I mean, certainly it's uh, a lot of times the projections come down to a series of assumptions that are conversion rates. And we are, we're trying to do the best that we can to find some industry standard conversion rates. But, you know, oftentimes, if you haven't been doing it already and you don't know your conversion rates, a lot of times people will say, well, I think surely I could get 7% of people that come to the website to, to buy my thing or, you know, sign up for the service or whatever. And, you know, I think just hearing e-commerce conversion rates are like 1.7% or something along those lines. So, um, 1.7 1.7 just sounds so bad. So, you know, everyone wants to put a higher number in that conversion rate. And you know, if you put 7%, your projections are going to look uh, way better than um, they probably are. So I think it's as many, as, as often as you can, trying to either from your own experience, know your actual conversion rates. So can you measure what you've been doing know how often you convert a lead so that when you build it into the model, let's say you're hiring a new salesperson and you might be, before you make that decision to hire, you might do some projections just to make sure you can, you can do that. You can make the hire. Um, you better be using the right conversion rates, you know, mm-hmm. as best you can. So that's a mistake we see a lot. And then, you know, it can, it can have such a dramatic increase on your, on your projections and really so some overconfidence (laughs) yeah definitely and i i think that's always i i I think i'm trying to remember now back in back in my corporate days and and we used to talk about forecasting and all the rest of it and and one of uh one of our um, directors um, was he would say well you know forecasting says more about the forecaster than the reality of achieving or something like that i can't remember exactly what it was but when it comes to reality as opposed to projection and forecasting i mean have you seen that there is a a, a a big disparity between the two yeah that's interesting we're actually going through a, a bit of a research project on our own right now we think we have enough data from uh, uh, clients that we've worked with on consulting projects in the past to be able to uh, kind of aggregate some projection data and 
we want what we want to try to figure out is how how does that compare to some actual numbers for different industry types um so you know uh, a b2b SaaS company um software as a service company you know what mm. what do they project when they're working with us versus what does an average b2b SaaS company do in year one two and three um so i don't I don't have that particular data yet. I know just intuitively and just from seeing what our clients uh, do. I mean, it's always generally optimistic, you know, it's generally the projections are overly optimistic, um, at least in the first first couple of years, oftentimes. So. And and do you do you think that's in a particular area or do you think it's across the board in terms of like what parts of the business do they kind of over estimate or 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 they're very very optimistic about are there any particular areas of the business you think that that happens in which can skew some of those those projections yeah i mean it's it it can relate to um it's usually on the revenue side and the the drivers of you know if we if we're in the model and we say okay you're going to get some you might be doing some paid ads but you're going to get some word of mouth customers as well and, you know, most businesses don't go viral and like word of mouth marketing, you know, it's, it might be a long, slow slog for the first little while. And so um, I think that's, that's oftentimes what we see is overly optimistic is someone opens a, a restaurant in a town of 50,000 and you, and you see on the projections, they are estimating 50,000 new new customers in the first year so they're thinking every person in town is gonna try out the restaurant in the first year yeah you know probably not right so i'm just you know some some things like that that um that we often see yeah so i i want to shift gears ever so slightly and talk about so you you started in 2012 and you started with your brother so as I sort of mentioned in the intro, there's a bit of a family affair thing going on. Curious to sort of know how that's gone, like working with family members and yeah, some people say never go into business with family, but you've obviously done it and you're still here and you're, you know, you've got stories to tell. So how, how has that experience been? Yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was uh, kind of weird. I mean, um, I when I started in 2012, I was probably 23 and so my background's accounting. So I was kind of coming out from the finance accounting projection side of things. And my brother um, is a software developer, but at the time he was a senior in high school. And so he had not gone to, to college yet. And he was a self-taught software developer. Um, and so he built out that first version, but there was a whole bunch of stuff that, you know, he just didn't know what he didn't know yet because he had no formal training. And so we, we built out a, a an initial version that worked, but it was we probably you know he probably custom coded things that there was just plugins for <laughs> that he could have just used out of the box. Um, so anyway, as he as he you know uh, went through college, got a software engineering degree, and um, I think. Uh, when we got to the point where like, we're gonna need to rebuild this uh, 
projection up software from the ground up, you know, he was like, yeah, I probably don't want to be the one to do, you know, I've already built it once. It's just tough. I don't want to do it again. So he, at that point we hired a outside firm that could really help us do it uh, again from the ground up. And um, my brother, Brandon has been more of just a advisor on the, on the software side. Um, and then actually uh, last year, finally, I, I uh, decided to just buy out his uh, share of the company and he was looking to buy a house and it was like, Hey, uh, if I buy you out now, you, you'll have your down payment ready to go and you can get the house that you're, <laughs> that you're looking for. And um, so it, it's been a, it's been a good experience. I, I hope you would say the same. I think, I think you would say the same. It was fun to work with him, but also, um, you know, mm. I think he's, he's got a good job that he enjoys these days. So. Cool. Well, I mean, it's, 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 I always find it interesting as sort of a, you know, obviously you've got the starting story, but how, how that dynamic works and all the rest of it. And you've been able to obviously, you know, buy out and, and, you know, help with the house buying and all that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. And, um, I'm interested as well, sort of from obviously the start to where you are now, and, and obviously the business is going to have been through changes and iterations and, you know, even alluded to some of those there, but has there been anything sort of all the way through the business, like a something that you, has been a constant, like a principle you've always always stuck with, or the, something that's guided you, whether it be you know from a business perspective or a, or a, a personal perspective that's, that's sort of kept you going and and you've always kept in mind that this is a principle that we follow religiously or something like that. Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. I I think that. Um, there's probably a principle that we've that we've learned along the way that maybe I should have done sooner. I think so. I'll I'll, I'll touch on that. We, you know, we started out. I wanted to build a software as a service business because I wanted that monthly recurring revenue. I thought that you know who wouldn't want that, right? Um, and I pushed and pushed to try to make projection of a, a software as a service business. Um, and, you know, if I would have just watched what our customers were doing and what our customers wanted, uh, I would have learned a lot sooner and saved myself a lot of time. But, you know, projections are kind of a, a one for a specific point in time. You know, you don't necessarily need, you, maybe you should have ongoing projections, but that's not what entrepreneurs do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what we found. So entrepreneurs work on projections when the bank asks for it, when the investor asks for it, or maybe if they're doing like annual planning or something like that, but it's not something they necessarily need every month. Um, and so they don't want to pay for something monthly if they're not really using it every month. And so um, I think that listening to the customer and just seeing what they, they've done. So we, we uh, maybe three years ago started selling spreadsheet templates, just the Excel, you know, one-time cost, it's an Excel template. Um, and, you know, that started selling and all of a sudden those, those different templates were selling more and faster than the software. And it's like, it sounds cool to have a software tool, 
but that's not what our customers wanted, <laughs> you know. Um, well, the age-old principle of uh, thinking like the fish, not like the fisherman, and um, yeah, getting into uh, the mind of your client and actually spending a little time wandering in their shoes and and seeing how they're using the product and 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 going from there. I, I think that that is a that's always a, <laughs> that's always a principle I I like to live by and apply and and, and help people see and understand. And uh, yeah, sometimes. Uh, you don't see it until you see it, but um, yeah. that's that's a really interesting way or, or an interesting example of of coming to that conclusion and actually say seeing that maybe you know it's not falling in love with the product, it's falling in love with the customer and and how they are using your thing, your product, your service, whatever it is, yeah. to solve a problem. And you've rightly identified and found that the use case for what is you know what you what you provide isn't necessarily suited to the model you're trying to force onto someone so you've adjusted it and yeah. i think that's a, an incredibly um you know good uh, good way of sort of um yeah applying that principle so interesting so and when it comes to the growth of your business what's been some of the what's what have been some of the strategies that had the biggest impact on revenue growth on acquisition all that kind of thing what are, what are some of the things that work for you yeah one of the things that we started um probably about a year and a half ago i guess prior to that maybe two years or so ago now we hired a, a cpa an accountant that um would build out these custom financial models for clients that have a more complicated model uh, than either our software or maybe a template is just, it, you know, it's not specific enough for what they need. Um, and so uh, what we found is that partnering with other consultants, specifically um, pitch deck consultants, uh, has been a really good partnership. So we have clients that are trying to raise investment. Um, they, they know they need a pitch deck to present to the investors. So they're going to these different pitch deck consultants. So we started reaching out to pitch deck consultants and saying, hey, do you have anyone that helps with financial projections? Because, you know, the investor's probably going to ask for that too. And, you know, more times than not, they said, oh, no, we don't. And that'd be great. We could, we, they, they didn't see us as a competitor. We don't do any pitch deck work. You know, it was just a really uh, mutually beneficial partnership. And so that we've got probably, I don't know, maybe five to seven uh, pitch deck consultants that just keep us regularly busy with uh, custom modeling work. So, mm. Well, I mean, partnerships and um, complementary offers, services, products, working with somebody like that and having a number of those partners. I mean, <laughs> It's when you when you get something like that and you get it working, it it becomes a no brainer, doesn't it? Because it's kind of like, well, it's as you say, it's a regular flow of um, you know interest, sales, clients, whatever you want to call it. And um, that's interesting. I mean, I'd never even heard of a pitch deck consultant. I mean, I didn't even know that was a thing. But I yeah. think that that in there is a a bit of a lesson around. Uh, if you're listening and thinking, well, how, or you should be listening, thinking, how can I apply that thinking or that example? Because you might not work with a pitch deck consultant, but it's like, what other type of consultants are out there that could also have your ideal type clients within their 
um, within their client base or within their prospect list or whatever it may well be and, and how can you develop a relationship with them in order to see if there is anything that you can do that can add value on both sides and yeah partnerships one of my favorite ways of, of growing businesses and um, and all the rest of it so I think that's a fantastic yeah. example as well so um, that's cool so Adam this has been um, a really really interesting conversation and you know Honestly, as I've said, you know, finance, sometimes the eyes can glaze over for some people. And um, I didn't think that that was going to be the case. But I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation because the the possibilities with this are huge. So I want to say thank you very much for coming on, sharing your uh, your knowledge and all the rest of it. And um, if people want to get hold of you, find out more, see some of the templates, what's the best way to uh, to get in contact? Yeah, our website's uh, projectionhub.com. And then feel free to reach out to me, uh, adam at projectionhub.com is my email and be happy to connect with you there. Awesome. Well, um, thank you ever so much again and um, have an awesome rest of your day. Yeah, thank you, Adam. So that's it for this episode. I hope you found it valuable. I hope you got some great ideas that you can take away and apply to your business to help you grow. If you did, please share it with somebody else that might also find this valuable because they will thank you for it. Also, to let you know that I have a podcast gift page where I put a lot of resources that I love to share with my listeners. You can find the links to join the Facebook community there and you can get my book, The Conversational Relationship Marketing and the audiobook version all for free, plus a number of other resources I'll be adding over time on that page. So make sure you head there to thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash podcast gift and you can help yourself to the things that make most sense to you. And if you have enjoyed the show, please make sure you're subscribed. You'll get updated as the new episodes come out. And finally, last favor, please consider giving the show your honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one. They mean the world for me. I love hearing from my listeners and it does help others find the show as well. So if you want to go and do that, I'd really appreciate it. Until next time, have an awesome day and we'll speak soon.